I'm a little nervous about today's episode. It's a topic I'm not an expert on by any means, but I feel it's too important not to talk about it. And it's something that has sort of become my recent reality. If this is your first episode of the Failing Awesomely podcast, welcome to my crazy awesome life. I'm Lindsay Garcia, wife to my husband, David, mama to my two little boys, Andrew, who's almost five, I can't believe it, and Emmett, who is two. I'm an ex-recording artist, breast cancer survivor, and lover of Jesus. In the last week's episode, I was a little rusty. I hadn't written or recorded a podcast in a while, and I totally forgot to introduce myself and tell you a little bit about me. So I wanted to make sure to do that this week before I start getting into my story of alcoholism and why I've decided to give it up. Over the last year, I've really come to the realization that I had fallen into the trap that is known in my research as alcohol culture in my early 20s. And later on, after becoming a mom, that molded into the widely accepted mommy wine culture. And I became a full participant. In this episode, my best friend, Amanda Cantor, a.k.a. Minnie, which is what I call her. And if you've been listening since episode one, you've met my awesome friend already. She joins me today, and I am so happy to have her back to share our very different stories on how alcohol and the cultural norm surrounding alcohol has affected both of our lives. Hello, my sweet friends. I feel so fortunate that you're joining me for season two of the Failing Awesomely podcast. My hope is that you can find encouragement while listening to my personal stories of overcoming life's obstacles, whether you're chasing big dreams or just trying to make it through the day as a mama of little ones. I'm excited to bring my friends along to inspire you with their stories as well. Let's empower one another to stop selling ourselves short, stop the negative self-talk, and focus on what makes us awesome. Because we all are. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And it's time we start believing that. Minnie, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing so well, how are you? I'm good, I'm so happy you're finally back on the podcast. And actually- Me too, and this is a podcast I'm super excited about. Oh, I know you and I have talked even just a little bit about this and we've talked on and off actually within the last few years about it. Um, and it's something I'm, I'm just, I'm so looking forward to just really diving into and talking about it even when it's uncomfortable. Cause right now I'm not going to lie, knowing that some people are going to hear this makes me uncomfortable right now in this moment, but I know it's just, it, it's, these stories are so needed. We we need to hear them. We need to talk about them. We need to keep ourselves in check to make sure that we're not falling into the trap of this mommy wine culture and that we really have our alcohol usage in check. So, but before we dive into all of that, I've had more than a few listeners ask me where you've been because <laughs> the first, I don't know what the first five episodes we recorded together with the exception of a few in between. So anyway, everyone loves you, not surprised. So I thought 
I would go ahead and explain why you haven't been on. The last episode that we did together was the Thanksgiving episode in 2019. And the episode after that was vasectomy fail that I recorded with David to tell our story of getting pregnant after a vasectomy. The day after that episode aired, I went into my doctor's appointment just a couple days shy of 12 weeks pregnant and found out the baby had unfortunately passed away. I talked about all that experience in season one, and you can go back to hear details if you like, but basically when we lost the baby, I was grieving and decided not to release any more episodes until the new year. Once I got back into it, I shared our miscarriage story and how we were doing. And then a couple more episodes, I would I interviewed an author friend of mine. Then I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And in order to wrap my head around all of that while still grieving my baby, I took another month and a half off and resumed again back in March, primarily just sharing my breast cancer journey from there on out in real time. So rewinding a little bit, at the end of February 2020, you guys moved from being two minutes down the road from me mm-hmm. to about 40 minutes down the road. Right. And I remember wanting, I remember us talking about scheduling a time to try to get together to record an episode before you moved, but between you packing up and moving and all that moving entails and my endless appointments before my double mastectomy surgery in early March, we just didn't find the time. And then four days after my surgery, boom, the world shut down. (laughs) So then we were in quarantine. So needless to say, between that point and June, honestly, I I think the reason why you and I just didn't go ahead and do a Zoom call podcast episode like we're doing now is because we just thought, no, in a couple more weeks, we'll be able to do this together. Now, in another month, you know, we'll be able to do this together. I'm telling my breast cancer story anyway. You know, we'll, we'll be able to get together in person and do this. We won't have to do the Zoom call thing like I'm doing an interview to someone who lives in Tennessee. <laughs> but between, you know, the pandemic and life, it's just so much easier to be able to do it this way anyway. So I'm very grateful that we just finally said, nope, we got to do it. This is what we have to talk about. This is what we have to enter in with season two. This is what we got to do. So now we're here to do it. And I'm so happy to have you back. Welcome back. Thank you. I am so excited. So like I said, we've been talking about this topic for a little while now and what mommy wine culture actually means. And if you listeners haven't heard of this and have no clue what we're talking about, it's basically the acceptance of parents, moms in particular, using wine to cope with the stress and hardships of parenting. Would you agree that that's basically what it means? Absolutely. Okay. Spot on. Well, thank you. So, you know, it's it's something that's widely accepted as normal, which I very, very recently awakened to just how dangerous that is. It's kind of, I feel like I almost had rose colored glasses on and they've been taken off and I'm like, wait, what? That's not funny. That's not okay. That is not what should be normal. That's not what everywhere. we sh- And it's everywhere. Like before you even, until you like really take, sit down and think about it is that's when you realize 
it is everywhere. I mean, there's sayings. You can get a, a saying of mommy wine culture on literally anything. It is anything. literally everywhere. I know. And at the end of the year, I don't know if you saw this post that Chrissy Teigen posted, but she opened up on Instagram telling her followers that for the past month, I guess now a month and a half, she has been sober after her doctor and friend gave her the book, Quit Like a Woman, The Radical Choice to Not Drink in a Culture Obsessed with Alcohol by Holly Whitaker. I mean, I think someone like Chrissy Teigen opening up to talk about this book and her own story will just start some very necessary conversations that women, you know, in general, but especially moms need to have with themselves about their relationships with alcohol. We need some tough love with ourselves. We really do. We do. And I saw, I saw that post that Chrissy made and I remember actually being like, my first reaction was shock. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's talking about this. Like, I can't believe she's putting that out there. And I'm so glad she did because I think this kind of topic needs large platform. Absolutely. It does. I'm just, I'm so, I, I mean, I don't know her obviously, but I'm so proud of her. And it made me, it, it was such good timing for me because it wasn't, but two weeks prior to that, that I started really understanding the dangers of this and really actually made the decision to just be sober. And I will share my story in a little bit, but Minnie, your story is pretty unique. And I, I think there's a lot more people that share similarities in your story than you might think. Um, although I, I personally think that my story might be slightly more typical. Um, there's definitely people who feel the same way as you. So I want you to go ahead and share your story of how, of your relationship with alcohol throughout your life. So I, um, have never been a big drinker. Um, and I also did not grow up in a home um, where parents were casually drinking any kind of alcohol, um, at any time. Um, my mom actually cannot stand the taste of alcohol. And my dad was certainly never like a beer guy at all. So it's not something that I grew up with. And as an adult, um, it's not something that like, I feel like I searched out to do it. Like I would, my, I was, I've always been a homebody. I'm very much an introvert. Um, so I love quiet nights in and, um, you know, on the occasion, have you, and you know, back in our young days, <laughs> you know, sh sure. We went out and I would come visit you in Nashville. And I remember we went out for your 21st birthday there. Um, yes, we did. <laughs> and alcohol is definitely involved. Um, yes. But for the most part, I was very much a homebody and I got pregnant with my oldest son at the age of 21. He was born just a couple days shy of me turning 22. Um, and I remember thinking like, as I'm pregnant with him, you know, I'm a 21 year old. None of my friends are having babies. They're doing great things. They're graduating college. They're doing all sorts of good things. You're in Nashville pursuing this like amazing music venture for yourself. So I was 
going on a journey that at the time, nobody else that I knew was. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this isn't having a baby this young is really not a huge lifestyle change for me. I'm, I don't go out anyway. I'm (laughs) home all the time. Like it's not, um, I never, I never even went out and bought alcohol and brought it home. Like never, even in the short time, I was 21 before I got pregnant. (laughs) Um, so fast forward now that baby is 13 and I'm still, I'm still the same, like, eh, it's not really, I don't really enjoy the taste of it. It's really hard for me to find alcohol that I'm not like choking to get it down. Um, I definitely have never been like a beer person. Um, I was always more of like a, if I would go out, I would be like, I I want a drink that doesn't taste like alcohol. Like I need a drink that just tastes like juice because I don't like the taste of alcohol. Um, And because I'm such an introvert, I sort of realized, and not even at the time, but later as I reflected back, like me even drinking, I think I was really just sort of trying to like fit in. (laughs) I'm like, I'm very introverted. Um, I'm not good in social situations, large groups. I have like social anxiety. So for me, I felt like the best way to either fit in or maybe relax a little. So I didn't seem so like, you know, stuck up or unfriendly. So to let loose and relax myself a little bit was to have a drink. This I don't, 2020 was a year of immense personal growth on so many levels. And it really got me thinking like, I don't, I really don't enjoy the, I really don't enjoy the taste of alcohol and I don't know why I would buy it. Like on the nights that my kids were at their dad's, I'm like, oh great. I, you know, I saw it as like a form of self-care. Like I can relax on the couch. I can have a glass of wine. And like, that's like, that's going to be my self-care. It's just because to relax. That's what society tells that's you what is you, normal. This culture is, yes, and that's exactly. that's what you do. Right. You know, a little bit ago, I went to the liquor store. I haven't gone to a liquor store in forever. I have not purchased any kind of like Revot in a long time. The only thing I ever bought was wine. Um, but I went with a friend and I bought something that I had never had before. It was lemon chill. And I thought it was going to taste like Aunt Laura's lemonade at the mall. Okay. <laughs> it did not. It did not. I, I could not get it down. I tried diluting it with like six ice cubes. Okay. I could not do it. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Why do I feel like I need to like be, if I'm an adult, if I can have an alcoholic beverage, that makes me more of like an adultier adult. If I sit and have a glass of wine at night, it doesn't. So I made the conscious choice to stop doing something that I don't even really like. And I'm not, I'm certainly not... Um, putting myself on a pedestal by any means. And I'm certainly not throwing any judgment towards, you know, those moms who do want to sit and have a glass of wine at night. For me, I feel like I just made a 
a choice that's a little more true to who I am. Um, like I said, 2020 was a year of personal growth. It was one of those things where, like I said, I just made a choice to be a little bit more true to who I am. You know, I'm probably not going to fit in a lot and that's okay. And I'm good with that. And I'm like totally fine with that. I'm totally fine being my like introverted self. Um, and the one thing that I want people to realize is that like, it's okay to not, it's like, it's okay to have that glass of wine if you want, but just kind of sort of be aware of what's forcing you into those decisions or like what's driving you for it. Like for me, it's not something, like I said, I did not enjoy the taste of it. Um, and I, I don't need it. I don't, I don't ever crave it. I never crave a drink. But drinking is something that I took part in either because it was what was around in the situation that I was in, whether, you know, you're at a friend's house or, you know, anything. Um, and I honestly, how many times if you would go to somebody's house or whatever, someone would offer you a drink or you're out with friends and you're like, mm, no, thanks. I'm just going to, you know, have a nice tea or I'm going to have a water. People are going to look at you like you're a buzzkill. Um, you're stick in the mud you know, things like that. And it, that's the part of the culture that needs to change. Like don't question Absolutely. somebody who doesn't want to have a drink. We're not pregnant. We just don't want to have a drink. Exactly. Um, and I think, you know, for those who, like I said, for those who do want to sit and have a glass of wine at night, that's fine. But also like, let's not question the people who don't want to do that. And I like, like you said, I completely fell into the the mommy wine culture there for a little bit. And it was one of those things where I like, I felt like an adult here, adult by doing it. Um, and I didn't realize that my children are 13, almost 11. And they, they, they can pick up on these things. So even if you say as a joke, like mama needs some wine or, you know, whatever, they pick up on that and it hit me one day when now you know nolan he's he's 10 he'll be 11 in march the sweetest sweetest boy sweetest soul so much love he just has so much love and empathy for everybody and the one night you know i was really um stressed out just trying to keep the kids on track with school some of you know they were doing it from home and it's just it was a mess I think 2020 was a little bit of a mess for everybody oh yeah but the one night Nolan was like mom do you want me to pour you some wine oh and I'm gosh. like no like I don't want you to like sweet that you are offering but like the fact that that's what he offered as a way to like help me was sort of a wake-up call and it made me realize how aware your audience can be. <laughs> so Goodness like yes. I said, my kids are older and I don't want them to see me, um, you know, handling stress by pouring a glass. And I want them to see healthier ways of dealing with a stressful day other than reaching for a bottle of anything. Um, so you know, I had that conversation with them and 
but it does make you realize like when, when you sit back and think about it, like it's everywhere and it's so easy. It's so easy to be a part of it, but it's also easy to step back from it. For some people. For some people. I think it's, I, I think the hardest part for someone in your situation is stepping back from saying it's okay to not be a part of that normal. Because number one, it shouldn't be normal. It shouldn't be abnormal to be the one not drinking. You shouldn't have to answer a question of, wait, you're not drinking. You're not going to have a drink. That shouldn't be a part of the dialogue. But I, I think once you can get past the social aspect of it, it's easy to step away from it when it's something that you didn't even want to begin with and you were truly just doing it to either relax in a stressful social situation or because you thought you would be, I, I love your adultier adult <laughs> 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 saying, that's great. Yeah, if, just because you wanted to either be considered, oh, well, that's just what moms do. So you were doing it, but when you really didn't want to, I think it it's awesome and freeing for you to say, you know what? No, this isn't my norm and I'm not going to continue to let it be my norm and I'm going to let it go. And I bet that was such an amazing freeing decision to make. My situation is a little bit different because I, I did crave wine. Um, and I remember I would, anytime I would come over or anytime you know, you have a husband who travels for work, that's his job. And so I remember, you know, living two minutes away, I think I offered to pick up wine for you multiple times a week. And, and at the time, so I not right. So now, <laughs> now I realize like I was feeding the wine culture to other moms. Uh, we've all done it. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. But yes, when, now that we can step back from it and think of it in that way, it seems so dangerous and it really is because I don't know that um, everyone understands sort of the effects of alcohol. Um, for me, I, you know, I work night shift um, and I work night shift four nights a week. So on the nights that I don't work, I'm trying to get back on the same schedule as the rest of the world. And, you know, I thought, that if I had a glass of wine in the evening, oh good, that'll like make me tired. It'll make me, it'll make it easier to go to sleep at night. Um, really, it, alcohol does the exact opposite. You know, it, can it messes for a lot up of your people. sleep. It yep. can mess up your sleep schedule. Like, there's so many things that can um, change, whether you realize it or not. I'm so glad that you shared that because like I said, before you shared your story, I alluded to, I think there are a lot more people than you, than you think in your same boat that don't really want to actually be drinking alcohol and don't really enjoy it, have never really made it a choice until it became the cultural norm. And you just kind of feel, you know, when you're young, it's just kind of something that you do as a young person. And then as you get into adulthood, it's something that just kind of makes you feel a little bit more sophisticated. And then when you become a mom, it's supposed to be a coping mechanism. 
Wait, and how it just awful is that? Going. And how many, the memes that exploded what, this past year, you know, when schools were shut down and you're seeing all these memes everywhere about you're either going to come out with, you're either going to come out of quarantine with a six pack or alcoholism and like, yep, it's oh, awful. It's not, it's not, and we're joking yeah. about it. We're saying that that's right. funny. Like we're thinking if we see, you see a wine glass that says mommy juice on it. And like, so people think it's like a normal thing then like everybody's doing it. So it must be normal. It must be okay. And I don't think like people realize how targeted women are for this kind of thing. We absolutely are. This episode is going to be more geared toward our own personal stories and thoughts on this, but this is not going to be the last episode that we release about this. I want to keep talking about this because I am I'm becoming so passionate about it now as I am learning and growing. There's a couple books that we talked about that we want to read. We want to read the book um, that Chrissy Teigen talked about by Holly Whitaker. There's another book that I shared with you today that I want to read called Drink by Ann Dowsett Johnston. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I want to dive in, do some more research and really get into the nitty gritty of why women are targeted, why we have a personal relationship with alcohol and what can come of that. So save that in your head for a future episode. Um, I've jotted down a ton of ideas, but now I'm going to really share my story, which is different from Amanda's of my relationship with alcohol. So growing up, unlike you, well, not unlike you, I'm sorry, growing up, my mom hardly ever drank. She would maybe have one or two beers a year. And that was in large social settings, mostly with my dad's side of the family, because my dad's side of the family were drinkers and drinking was a casual, normal part of life. I watched my dad drink beer just about every day. So it was something normal for me to see. And I just knew that's kind of what adults did. You know, growing up, I never had an interest in it until I was about 16. That's when I had my first drink and it was a Zima. I don't know. (laughs) We're dating ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) But I had a good old Zima with some friends who were also drinking for the first time. You know, but it wasn't a normal thing for me. I wasn't a teenager that just then dove into having alcohol every weekend and going to teen parties and getting wasted all the time. For me, it was more when there was an opportunity, I would indulge a little bit in it, but then I could go weeks or months without it. I never really wanted it. In fact, If I would wake up not feeling well, that would deter me from wanting to even look at alcohol for a long period of time in between. So I definitely didn't crave it. Similar to you, it was just something that I felt like, well, this is what teens do sometimes. And I I just kind of fell into that, but didn't really want it until later on in my mid-20s. When I moved to Nashville, even it was the same thing. I would, I mean, I wasn't yet 21 when I moved. So it wasn't like I was, had access to alcohol all the time. And even when I made friends who were older, 
it was usually just when it was available, I would occasionally drink. And turning 21, I had some fun, but it, it was the same situation. Drink a little bit, go a long time without it. It wasn't until I got my gig singing back up with Colt that I really started to drink very regularly. And on top of that, I also got a job serving at a bar where I was surrounded by alcohol all the time. And that bar in particular, at least at the time, they were totally fine with the bartenders and servers taking shots with the, the locals, like the, the high paying regulars every time you worked. So my two employers were completely fine and encouraged drinking on the job. If that tells you anything about how that can transition into motherhood and how dangerous that is, it was a huge realization. It, it, I actually didn't get that correlation between the two until I was writing out my story. And I was like, whoa, That's amazing. My, my major relationship with alcohol started from two of my jobs. Of course, it's easy to find it acceptable going into motherhood too, because motherhood is a job. It's obviously a ver a job that you take most seriously out of any job you ever have in the whole world. But I drank at my other jobs. Why not this one? Right. Fueled by the fact also that then on social media, you see games where every time your kid says mom, you take a sip. So yeah, you're fueled by the fact of feeling like you're not alone. It's, it's so funny too, how the switch has flipped in my mind where I, you know, two years ago, I would have seen a TikTok video like that and would have laughed. Right. And now I see that video and I go, how awful. And I'm, I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective and seeing your child is realizing that alcohol is more important than them. That's what that video is showing. And it breaks my heart. And I am very thankful that my sweet boys are four and two and praise God, they're not going to remember hopefully not anyway, mom drinking sometimes in front of us or that being a regular thing for mom. But backtracking, when I became a part of the Colt Ford tour, you know, we would have a drink or a shot before the show. We would have a shot or drink during the show and then a drink or two after. And that was just the normal thing you did. It, it wasn't forced on me. It was just a way to kind of be a be a part of the group, be a part of the band and really form this relationship with them. I just accepted it as my new norm. For a while, I would I would actually go back home after weekends touring and I wouldn't drink at all during the week until I was back on the road so that my body could recover. But a few months into that, it changed when my friends complained that they really hadn't hung out with me that much. And so they'd convince me to go out with them on weeknights. 
And I also started, like I said, working at a bar to make extra money. And then I would be drinking at work too. And all of that behavior was normal. It was so acceptable. There did come a time when I thought it was a little bit much and I decided to not drink one weekend out on the road, which was really, really hard. It was like all of a sudden something that was not only easy for me to do, but I would happily turn down drinking for a few weeks was now tough for just one weekend. I remember I jokingly told our band leader how tough it was for me to not drink. And he said, that's because you're a musician in Nashville. We're a drinking town with a music problem. And at that time, that funny saying that Nashville is known for just made me laugh and almost made me feel like I was accepted into this elite club. You know, drinking wasn't the problem. Drinking was just what we did when indulging in our music addiction. And it felt good. Like I was, I was a part of that as strange as it sounds, it, it felt good to be, it felt like I reached another level in my music career that it was just accepted. As you can imagine, that level of drinking was my constant for three years. I was on tour. I had times when I would cut back a little bit, but I never, I never actually gave it up for any length of time until I was off the tour and quit my bartending job too about a year after that. At that point, just in cutting back and only drinking wine, by the way, instead of drinking whiskey or beer on top of that, cutting back to only drinking wine, it felt like that was a huge positive change to me. But I was still drinking regularly. I, I rarely just had one when I did drink. So let's, let's fast forward to when I moved back to Pennsylvania Drinking was still a regular thing for me, but I went back to not drinking alone. When I was younger, I used to think that if you drank alone, you were pitiful. Like, how sad is that, that you feel you need alcohol and you want to drink alone? My mind was programmed to think that drinking was a social thing, and that's, that was the only reason I wanted to drink. But that changed without me even realizing it when I, when alcohol was completely a part of my everyday life, I would start drinking alone and I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I was doing it. So then when I came back to Pennsylvania, it was a choice I had to make to stop doing that. And it wasn't easy at first. And I would try to just only drink if I was seeing a friend or just when David was home. But when he would, when we would do that, we wouldn't just have one, you know, we would split a bottle of wine in a night. Right. And that was our husband and wife norm. You know, we were, we, it was just us. We just, all we had was dogs to take care of. You know, I never drank before going to work. You know, I got, I got a new job and it, it, it wasn't one where my employer allowed drinking. So I, I, I never drank before work. I never took alcohol to work. It was something that would be completely apart from my responsibilities as an adult. So I never felt like I had a problem. I always thought that the picture of an alcoholic was somebody 
who could not be without alcohol, somebody who woke up and had a beer, somebody who drank before they went into work and sometimes showed up drunk to work, had a fifth of vodka every day or a whole case of beer every day. That was my view of what an alcoholic was or somebody who had an issue with alcohol. That is what I thought it was. I never thought that what I did was a problem whatsoever. Side note, there is a thing. There is a thing. (laughs) It's called a functioning alcoholic. But like, like you, I had no idea. I just figured you're an alcoholic if you can't make it to work because you're drunk or you're slurring your speech all the time and can't have a conversation. Like, yep. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I was introduced to the term. Um, somebody that we knew, they would they would call him a functioning alcoholic. And yeah. No, it definitely is a thing. And I think a lot more people are functioning alcoholics than they would care to admit. So when David and I decided in the spring of 2015 that we were ready to start a family, I had zero problems quitting so that I'd be the healthiest to try to conceive. And then during my pregnancies, it wasn't hard for me not to drink. I do want to be completely transparent, though. During my pregnancy with Andrew, after the first trimester was over, I did indulge in a little bit of wine every now and again. When I'm saying I indulged in a little bit of wine, I mean I probably had a total of three glasses in my entire pregnancy in minuscule amounts each time. So like maybe not even a half a glass of wine a few times did I have not saying that that is right at all. I wish that I would have just completely abstained, but I did indulge a little bit. And then when I was pregnant with Emmett, I had a little bit of wine on our wedding anniversary and that was it. I didn't even want, I had, I did not want alcohol at all when I was pregnant with Emmett. That was one of the great effects of being pregnant with him, with Andrew. I still wanted it. Like, I still wished that I could have it with Emmett. I was like, get it out of my face. (laughs) Um, It is funny to think, I mean, how many, how many women have you seen that are, you know, pregnant or either just had their babies and they're commenting about missing their wine or commenting that this is my first class in nine months. Oh my gosh. It's Um, like the celebratory. Yay. You did it. Now you can go back to drinking. Yes. Ugh. I'm going to sound so terrible in this podcast because I keep going like, oh, this is disgusting. Why did we do this? Here's the thing, though. Like I said before, we're not here to, like, judge. No, all of definitely those who, not. Heck, there might be people having a glass of wine listening to this. Right now. <laughs> um, and we're certainly not here to, like, put little crowns on our heads and um, no. shame other people. That's not what this is about. This is about, like, taking a journey of personal growth and it's okay to, yeah. Did we partake in drinking? Yeah. You and I together have, <laughs> have definitely quite you a know, few times, quite a few times. Um, and it's okay to like have done that, but then also it's also okay to look back on that and be like, Oh my goodness. Yes. Terrible. It's um, that's the that's thing. called it's- growth. Exactly. Like it's okay to evolve and grow 
And it's okay to change your viewpoints on something. Yes. And I think it's more that I'm disgusted with myself and I realize that I shouldn't be. I need I need to forgive myself and move on and move forward. The important thing is that I'm making the right decisions for me now. So you're right. I, and I'm so glad you said that because I don't want to come off like now I'm all of a sudden holier than thou now that I have decided to stop drinking and alcohol is not going to be a part of my life. I have done some really stupid things that I don't want to ever do again. And so that is why I am now disgusted by things that I used to think were funny. So you're right. There is zero judgment towards anybody, but we do want to bring awareness by what we're sharing. So going back during, even during Andrew's first 10 months of life, I, there were definitely times I wished that I could partake in drinking, but I was nursing him and I didn't want to stop nursing him. I was so happy that I was successful at nursing him and I wanted to keep that going. And I swear it never failed. Once we finally got him on a good bedtime routine and he would start to sleep like at least five straight hours before he would wake up again and he would do that for a week. And then the night that I would decide, oh, he's in bed. I'm going to have a glass of wine and watch a show before I go to bed. He would wake up within an hour and then I would be in tears because I couldn't just nurse him. I had to warm up a bottle and he's crying, crying, crying because he's hungry. He didn't get enough at bedtime or he just wants more that night. He's growing, you know, babies, kids, you know, they grow all the time constantly. So I'm feeling terrible that that was the night that I decided to have a glass of wine and now I can't just nurse him right now. You know, some moms get the timing of when you can drink and when you can nurse down pat and they do it. And, you know, to each their own, I was like, I'm not going to have that hanging over my head. I'm just not going to do it until he stops nursing. So fast forward to him being 10 months old, he still wasn't sleeping through the night and I would still have to wake up and nurse him two to three times at night. And it was exhausting. It had been a really, really, really long 10 months. And I was talking to one of my girlfriends who has kids. She's nursed all her kids. And she said, listen, you need sleep and Andrew needs sleep. Just try and see if he'll take formula at his bedtime feeding after you nurse, like still nurse him and then give him his bottle and see what that does. Kid you not, from night one, that child slept through the night. He just slept through the whole night. It was wow. finally what he needed. And so therefore, what is that cue? Mama gets to have wine Ooh. and watch movies, hang out with my husband, have you over and have a couple glasses of wine and you know, mama's back. Like, that's kind of what I felt like. I felt like, oh, I'm back. Like, I feel like me again. I can, I can indulge. I can be adultier now. <laughs> <laughs> so that part of my life just started up again. And it went from drinking a glass or two at night after he went to bed to, you know, as he got older and became more of a toddler and started having more tantrums and it, you know, our days were getting a little bit more difficult. I would allow 
having a glass of wine at dinner on really stressful days. Then that grew to having a glass of wine with dinner and then pouring myself a second glass to take up to do bath time routine with Andrew. And then I might have another glass after he goes to bed. And that became my new norm. Before you know it, a whole bottle's gone. Yeah. There, there were definitely some nights that was the one stipulation I had for myself was I would try not to finish a bottle. That's why I would, I would try my best to just have two to three glasses of wine and that's all. But that was a lot. That's a lot of alcohol. That's way too much alcohol. You're not a very big person. So it's a lot for anybody. No, you're right. No, it's, it's true. Um, and, and I basically stayed that way until we were ready to try for Emmett. So again, I had no problems stopping drinking and trying to conceive. And what I would, what I would do, because with Andrew, we conceived right away with Emmett, it took a few months. So I stopped drinking, a, you know, a few days short of my ovulation, we would try, I would wait. And if I got my period, then I would allow like a week of drinking if I wanted. And then a few days before my next ovulation period, I would stop. We would try. I would wait. If I got my period, then I would, you know, drink a little bit. And that was just how it was until I actually conceived. And then obviously I stopped drinking and I had, I never had an issue doing that. So that was why I never felt like I always felt like my alc- my relationship with alcohol was just a choice. And maybe it wasn't the healthiest choice, but there are people who eat fried chicken every day and I don't do that. I felt like wine was my pizza, which I also love, but that's for another right. story. But I do remember you actually had we actually had conversations about this where you're like, you know, other people choose to indulge in whatever they want. They might have a cheat meal or a cheat dessert or whatever. And this, you know, to you, this was like your, your cheat. Yep. That's my cheat. It was your treat. Yes. And that's, that's the way I justified it all. But once I had Emmett, I tried nursing him for seven weeks and it just didn't work. And without getting into all of the all of what I did to try let me just tell you from my heart I genuinely feel like I tried everything to make it work and it just didn't work so I started giving him formula and that broke me It, it really it took David sitting me down and saying you are not okay Emmett is not okay and it's affecting Andrew and me too So I think we need to make a decision to maybe give this up and give him formula. And it broke my heart, but I did it. And that I think is what really triggered. I think I was already, I think I already had PPD, but that was like the straw that broke the camel's back and it got really bad really fast. I mean, I had to get on medication and see a therapist. It was bad. And to cope on top of the medication and on top of all that, I started drinking again. 
because that was my go-to to relax. If I was feeling too, too much anxiety and the pills just weren't cutting it that day, I would have a glass or two of wine. And that just grew to being back to my normal two to three glasses a day. And I did that for a good year until I found out on October 18th, 2019, that I was pregnant. And as I said earlier in this episode, it was a pregnancy that was a complete surprise. Um, My husband had gotten a vasectomy in May of that year. So we thought we would never get pregnant again, that kids were not going to be happening. And up until that point, I had been drinking my regular amount all the time. But I kid you not, I woke up that morning and I felt different. Something was off. I d- and and also too, I didn't want alcohol. Like it was it was that morning for some reason it was that day. I was like, hmm, alcohol does not sound good, and I feel weird. And this was in the evening. I asked my mom to watch the boys. I went out. I got a pregnancy test just because I wanted to rule it out. I knew I was like, I'm not pregnant. There's no way. But I just need to rule it out because I'm kind of freaking out right now wondering what is going on with me. It was clear as day at like six o'clock in the evening, I was pregnant. And after freaking out for a little bit, I was really happy that God gave us this miracle. But I was also worried. I was really worried because I hadn't been doing anything. You know, I was eating all the things that you're not supposed to eat. I was drinking. I wasn't really exercising at all at that point. So I I knew that I just was not taking care of myself where in my prior pregnancies, I was really doing a good job of taking care of myself before getting pregnant and avoiding alcohol. I just, you know, I prayed and um, unfortunately, We lost the baby when I was almost 12 weeks along. And, you know, so many people, you know, said to me, you know, it wasn't, it's not your fault. You, you didn't know that you were pregnant. You couldn't have known you, your husband had a vasectomy for crying out loud. And this is, these are comments that I would get from me expressing the guilt over drinking and eating whatever I wanted and that being a factor. And so many people miscarry one in four women miscarry. I know that I could have done everything right and still lost that baby, but probably till the day I die, I will feel guilt over the alcohol that I consumed, not knowing I was pregnant. And that alone should have been enough for me to say that I'm done. Instead, I was angry at God for giving me a miracle baby and then taking it away. So what did I do to cope? I drank. I started drinking again. I stopped in January because I was doing a challenge. Um, I was doing a fitness challenge through OpenFit. And then two weeks after that challenge ended, I found out I had breast cancer. So as you can imagine, much of 2020, I didn't drink a drop. I didn't drink at all. Find out I have cancer. I had surgeries. I had chemo. I had all these tests. I had radiation. 
So alcohol wasn't a part of that equation. Was somebody, you know, telling me now make sure you don't drink? No, but I'm not an idiot. And I know chemo and alcohol don't mix. You shouldn't drink before a major surgery. So I'm, you know, I have common sense to know when I shouldn't and shouldn't be drinking. Um, And it wasn't a problem for me to not. But after chemo was over, about a month after chemo, we went to the beach. And I thought that was a great opportunity to let loose and have a glass of wine. And my thought for the rest of my life moving forward was that I could just indulge and enjoy the occasional glass of wine, but nowhere near the amount of consumption that I used to. That was something I didn't want to go back to because I just wanted to be healthier and I wanted to give my body the best chance to not have a recurrence of cancer. But ever since that first day at the beach, it does not matter how much alcohol I consume. It can be a half of a glass and I feel like crap. I don't feel good. I'm not relaxed. I'm, I, I, all of the reasons that I used to love drinking wine were no longer, no longer there. They just, it was like, they just went away. And I honestly feel like that was God's grace to get me to where I am today because he knew Lindsay, if, if you drink at all, you're going to go down the rabbit hole. Eventually, eventually cancer will be in your history and then you you'll just start drinking again. So I don't remember the day because I didn't know that this was going to be my last day. I had alcohol, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it was in the beginning of December. I had about a glass and a half of wine at my sister-in-law's house. And that night I had a headache. Normally a glass and a, wa- a glass and a half of wine would have been nothing for me. I, that wouldn't have even given me a buzz. And I felt like crap. And I said, you know what? This isn't worth it. Fast forward to December 11th and my good friend, Sarah Stone, who I actually interviewed for the podcast and she'll be on in a couple of weeks. She had shared this girl on Instagram and her TikTok video was about parenting and coping with the stress of parenting using alcohol and how dangerous it is and the things that you can do that are healthier options to cope with stress, like walking, eating well, you know, that sort of thing. And she kind of made it funny. Like it was, it was kind of comical, but also was like a slap in the face. And I started following her. Her name is Jenna Delulio, I want to say is how you spell her last name, but it's at J-E-N-N-A-D-I-L-L-U-L-I-O. She has been sober for three years, and she is such an amazing advocate for this culture of alcoholism that has just become the norm. I encourage you to follow her or just check check her out if you're interested. But she actually has a whole highlight dedicated to the wine culture. Yeah. So um, that's something easy that you can just a quick, quick, quick click so you can check it out. She's adorable. She is amazing. 
I've, I've grown to really love her in a very short period of time. I'm actually not on social media right now. And I, there's people that I miss that I only see via Instagram because I don't personally know them, but she is somebody who has really motivated me to officially make that decision. So it was December 11th, 2020 that I just decided, nope, I don't want to ever drink again. I want to become sober. Like I just want to be sober. I want sobriety to be my lifestyle. I want sobriety to be my norm. I don't want my kids to think that mom needs wine to cope with anything. Yes. And I hope they never remember a time when I did. And if they do, I'll just explain to them how mama changed her life and what helped. And I hope that that is a good lesson instead of something that they look back on and think, man, mom was a mess. You know, (laughs) I'm hopeful that 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 is the message. And that's kind of the message that I want to give to anybody listening to this. We're not condemning anybody. Believe me, we have, especially me, I have zero right to condemn anyone. If you think I am, go back and listen to my story. It is, you know, filled with bad decision after bad decision of what I thought was normal. And I'm just making this decision for myself. If you are curious about any of this, definitely reach out to Amanda or me. I'm going to have our Instagram handles and my email, which currently, you know, if you're listening to this, on the day of release, I will not be back on social media until January 25th. So don't message me on Insta if you, if you want to get a hold of me quickly. I'm doing 21 days of prayer and fasting with my church. Um, but after that, I would love to chat if you have any questions or, you know, wonder, you know, how do I make the first step? Like, you know, I, I don't have cancer, so <laughs> I don't really have that sort of huge wake up call to, to go on to make a change. And if you're surrounded by, you know, a spouse or friends who, you know, do partake in drinking regularly or somewhat regularly, um, I would encourage you to go seek out people, follow people like Jenna, um, go seek out people, you know, with the same the same mindset and things like that. Um, you can seek us out because yay. <laughs> yes. We will be your friend. <laughs> um, because it is important to have the people around you, um, understand where you're coming from with it. Um, especially like in our cases, you know, we have had it as part of our lives and we were part of that, um, the mom wine culture. And so, it might not be easy for people to understand why we're making the choices that we are. So um, if you find yourself maybe not having those kinds of people um, around you, just I encourage you to just scope out people who who are talking about it. Absolutely. The people who get loud about it. Because it's going to be us. Yes. Bottom line, I am so thankful that I have made this decision. And right now it feels really good. 
but I also have it in the back of my mind to remember that I really haven't been in a social setting yet. And I don't know how that's going to affect me. So right now my prayer is just that our, my heavenly father just, you know, washes over me his grace and goodness to remember why I'm choosing sobriety. And hopefully I don't have that craving or hopefully it's not too hard for me once we get back into social settings again. Um, that is something that, you know, I, I, I haven't had to go through yet. And I, that's why I'm glad we're talking about it now though, because this is in real time, guys. I am at the beginning of this journey truly, even though I didn't really drink a lot in 2020, this sobriety decision, this choice is brand new for me. So I am learning as I go. And as I have ups and downs with it, I want to come back on here and talk about it. I want to talk more about why we are targeted as women. All of the things we see, I just took down. So on our Christmas tree, I actually used to have an ornament that made me laugh. And now I looked at it, I pulled it out of the box and I gasped when I saw it and it made me sick to my stomach. It's a super cute little ornament. It has a mama duck and her little ducklings and her bill is inside of a wine glass and it says the most expensive part about having children is all the wine you have to drink. And again, that used to make me laugh. And I was like, true that? Like, yeah, it is. Drinking's expensive. Yep, we're not alone. Moms unite. Moms unite. Cheers. And now I'm I'm just like, oh, no. No, 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 no. I, I don't want that to be to be me anymore. So, you know, I'm I'm just I'm so thankful to have you. I told you this multiple times, but I'm so thankful to have you because making that decision, I immediately thought of you and I said, well, at least I have a best friend who I who I not only know will back me up with this, but will probably be totally fine doing this with me because you don't even like alcohol. <laughs> so no, this is so, this is so easy. And to be honest, so refreshing. Um, because like you said, I'm not, I don't ever crave it. I could pass it up so easily. And in fact, um, I remember last year for new year's. So new year's Eve going into 2020, I actually posted something that said to anyone staying sober for new years admit amidst a drinking culture I see you you're not alone and your hard work matters and I posted that on my social media um and I was a little bit surprised at the comments I got on actually how many people were like yeah I stopped drinking a while ago yep um, so I think there are you know are more people out there who are making this decision. Um, and, you know, to say you're sober, it doesn't have to imply that you were ever had a problem. It's just a journey of personal choice. Absolutely. I remember when you posted that and I remember feeling two feelings. I was one, so proud of you. Mo not, not just for not drinking, because I know that's not necessarily hard for you, but I was proud that you put it out there. 
But I also felt conviction over reading that, my own conviction. And it made me feel a little crappy about myself, if I'm being perfectly honest, but not in a way that was towards you at all. You know what I'm trying to say. It was like I said, it was just, it was my own thing. But the bottom line to all of that is, is make a stand for it. If you're not sure if you have friends that are sober, do what many, what you did and say something about it. I guarantee you, you're going to get people messaging you saying, oh yeah, me too. And you can have an accountability partner to start you on this journey if it's something that you're interested in doing. And another thing that I would encourage you to do, because there, this is not the first time that I have wanted to be sober. It's the first time that I, I said to myself, no, this needs to be my choice. This needs to be the decision that I make now. And what I did that same day is I told my husband and I told my mom because I didn't want it to be a secret. Because if it's a secret... You can make the choice to go back on it anytime you want and nobody will know. You know, if somebody asks you, oh, I'm, you know, I haven't seen you drink, drink wine in a while. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm just taking a break. You know, you could shrug it off and not make it a thing so that if you wanted to go back to it, you can. But if you're truly serious because you feel the conviction, let's, let's say in your heart right now, you're listening to this and you feel like, I know I have an issue with alcohol. I, I, I might not be um, so convinced as to say I'm an alcoholic, but I know it's a problem. I know I, I indulge a little too much. I know I'm indulging in front of my kids when I shouldn't. Hear me out. Give yourself that tough love talk. And if your heart, if, if you feel that in your gut and it's telling you, yep, this is a little bit of a problem, tell your people. Tell your people and find some sober friends. That doesn't mean you can't hang out with your people who drink. But even your friends who drink need to know that you are sober. They need to know that. You need people to be able to back you up in this in order to be successful. Because I am a breast cancer survivor now, I'm very happy to say, but because I am... I breast cancer is a part of my story and a part of my life. I do want to acknowledge that there is a link between breast cancer risk and the amount of alcohol you consume. So for someone who consumes one to three alcoholic beverages in a day, you have a 30 to 50% higher risk to develop breast cancer. Now, do I think that 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 alcohol alone is what caused my breast cancer? No, I don't. I think there were definitely some other factors. But do I think alcohol had a role in it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is something to think about too. I don't want anybody to go through what I went through. I, I want us to, you know, I, I want people to be able to look at what I've went through and say, 
that's awesome. You know, she's inspiring. She's made it on the other side. Like, that's great. But I also want you to look at me and my story and go, not me. That's not going to be me. What do I have to do today? So that is not my story. That's what I want. Sure, I want to be inspiring. Sure, I want, you know, other people to um, be happy when when they hear my story. Oh, she's a breast cancer survivor and she's sober. That's awesome. But I also want people to look at the crappy part of it all and go, that can't be me. I don't want to go through that. Get moving. Get right with your health. You know, dial back the drinking if that's the first step or quit altogether. It could save your life. Minnie, thank you so much for being on this podcast episode. I love talking about this. Um, yes. I will continue to talk about this with you because mommy wine culture is a thing and it is a problem. It is out of control. Out of um, control. Right. So this will not be the first time uh, that we talk about this. Um, and I hope that other people, you know, join in and realize, you know, maybe even just be more aware of like how much it's really in your face. Absolutely. Guys, this week, make some moves, do something good for your health, be well and be awesome. Um, yes. Love that journey for you. Yes.